0: So we have we have in this week's Pedashah it, it talks about uh Esh Tamid, uh, eternal fire burning on the Mizveah. And uh, the interesting thing is B'nai Israel we supposed to know that within each of us there's a, there's a fire that's always burning. And we, we say, all B'nai Israel they're responsible for one another. So the question is how do you how do you go and you ignite someone else's well their fire is burning, how do you how do you make their fire get bigger? So, each of us really has an opportunity, literally every day, to, to, to have an effect on somebody else. And sometimes, you, you know, you just say, you know, I'm going to mind my own business, so I'm not going to get involved. And you don't realize that the effect that you could have. There, there's a story, just to, just to remind us how important it is. There's a, there's a story about a, a guy, he's, uh, he's <coughs> leaving on Rosh Hashanah. After Rosh Hashanah, he's going to go see his Rebbe, he's going to be with him, Yom Kippur. So he leaves the few days after Rosh Hashanah, he gets on his wagon, he starts to go, and on the way, his wagon, the tire breaks, the, 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 the wheel breaks, he has to stop, they get it fixed. He goes after, the horseshoe uh, falls off, he has to wait, he has another problem. Finally, it's Erev Yom Kippur, he's already right outside the town, he's riding up the road, and all of a sudden again, the wheel falls off the wagon. All of a sudden, he doesn't know what he's going to do, how's he going to get guys to help lift the wagon, to put the wheel back, to fix it, he sees a bunch of farmers come out And they all come and they come help him And they help him put the wheel back on And they say, wow, you're a Jew, you're going to town They say, could you do us a favor we have, we have nine guys, every year we have ten guys We come pray together, all of us farmers But this year the tenth guy can't be here Could you stay and be the tenth guy with us So we have Minyan Tonight, tomorrow, Yom Kippur And he goes, no, I'm really, I'm going to my Rebbe I really want to go to my Rebbe He goes, no, but we need a tenth guy You really make the whole difference that we have a tenth guy and he says, no, I'm going to my Rebbe, I'm going to my Rebbe. He says, okay, they say, no problem. They help him with the, with the wheel. He goes to the Rebbe. The Rebbe doesn't talk to him all Yom Kippur. He stays till Sukkot. The Rebbe doesn't talk to him all Sukkot. He doesn't talk. Finally, after Hoshana, Abbas he goes to the Rebbe, what did I do? And the Rebbe says, I don't know how to tell you this, but your soul was created just to be that 10th guy. Wow. So sometimes you have an opportunity in life. You can't give up the opportunity when you have an opportunity. I remember right after Sandy, because I lived by the beach, what happened was a lot of people, even four months later, after Sandy, they still weren't in their houses. And uh, people were living by other people's houses. So we decided to make a communal Seder. A hundred people we had coming to a Seder. And we were preparing to make the Seder. It was the day Erev, uh, Erev Pesach. And I went out with my kids. It was the, the rare year that I stayed in, uh, in New York. And I guess we did it because we wanted to make the Seder for all these other people. So we came out and we were going out onto the beach to burn the bread. My wife had the, the, the guy who brings the plants, uh, the, you know, the gardener, and they're all there planting their plants that day. And when some lady, as we're walking, an older lady who's working with the gardener, we're walking out to the beach, and she turns the, uh, to my kids and she says, oh, you're going to burn the chametz. I say, the lady going to burn the chametz. So I walk over to the lady, I go, you, you know, I'm thinking, you know, she works in the five towns, whatever, she sees all the Jews, she knows. I say, you know about burning the chametz? She says, I remember when I was a little girl, I used to go to my grandfather, used to burn the comments. I say, really? She goes, yeah, but I, I, I have no connection to Judaism ever since then. I said, well, what, what connection do you have?" She goes, "Well, tonight I know it's Pesach, I'm going to go to the diner I go every year special with my daughter to the diner on Pesach and we bring with us a box of matzah so we should remember it was Pesach." So I said, "How can it I invited the lady with her daughter and when we went around these 100 people, a lot of the people who had really no place to go and you hear their stories and you give them an opportunity to reconnect. Well, you could have just ignored, you could have done nothing. There's a guy in the clothing business Uh, His name is Saul Werdiger. So I know him only because I make furniture. You know, I'm the furniture maker for all these people, right? So I know his wife. So I heard an unbelievable story. He's a big guy in the furniture business. He makes shirts and sweatshirts and coats and things like that. So he says that he would invite people to come to his office who were not connected. Families... So they would come to his office. They would see, you know, he could be a religious guy and still be in business and still be successful. And the kids like it because, you know, he's making the sweatshirts for the Super Bowl and the T-shirts for the World Series. And he's showing them how all the art's done. Says he has his family come, a father, a mother, uh, a mother, father, young little girl and a boy, a 12-year-old boy. And the boy keeps asking him, Saul, so, when, you, when you go to like, when you go to the World Series, you eat kosher? He says, yeah, you know, especially in Chicago, they have, like, a kosher hot dog stand, everything there. He goes, and when you go to the Super Bowl, you have kosher? He goes, yeah, we have kosher. We have in the box, we have kosher. And when you go to, like, they have kosher? He goes, yeah, we have kosher. And he kept nudging him about, you know, how to eat kosher wherever you go. And uh, a week later, his secretary says, I have an irate guy screaming on the phone. He says, what's the matter? He goes, who's the guy? He says, it's the guy who was here. With this kid a week ago The kid who kept asking your questions He goes, okay, let me pick up the phone He picks up the phone Hey, Jason, how are you? What's the matter? He goes, Saul, you owe me $50,000 He goes, whoa, whoa, what? what do I you? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Tell me what's going on He goes, you don't know Ever since my son saw you, he said, Saul eats kosher at the World Series and Saul eats kosher at the Super Bowl. And I'm making a bar mitzvah and I'm gonna have non-kosher in my bar mitzvah in the middle of New York where everyone could be kosher. Dad, I wanna have a kosher bar mitzvah. He says, Saul, the kosher caterer is 50,000 more than the non-kosher caterer. You have to pay that. <laughs> he says, listen, relax, don't worry. He goes, I'm gonna put you on hold. My is gonna pick up. My family would be so happy to be able to pay to have this done, don't worry. And I just want to make sure you invite me to the Bar Mitzvah. He goes, so I'm a rich guy. I don't need your money. But I just needed to call to tell you we're having this in the, in the Pierre. It's a million dollar affair. And now I have to make it kosher. He goes, it's the first kosher event my family's had in three generations. Why? Because he opened his office, spoke to the guy, met someone. You don't know, you make a little difference in someone's life, you change their whole life. He tells one other story, and it's something to think about. He says that, you know, sometimes he wants to escape. He lives in Borough Park, in the middle of Borough Park. And he wants to escape, you know, every once in a while. You just want to, you want to go somewhere where nobody knows you, you know. I'm not the rabbi, I'm not the nothing, hide in the corner, right? So he says he would come to the city every once in a while, and he came with his wife, For Shabbat, they arranged for the food, whatever it is. They stayed on the Upper West Side. He wasn't going to go to any of the shteebles where they might know who he is. He ends up going to, I don't know which place, some modern orthodox. He says, very modern orthodox. I don't know what that means. On the Upper West Side. He says he sits in the back. He's very happy. He's praying, minding his own business. Nobody's bothering him. All of a sudden, he looks up and he says, the rabbi has some recognition in his eye when he sees him. He says, Great. It goes through the tefillah, it's all done. Finally, the rabbi gets up to make a speech. He makes a speech and at the end, he says, and everyone, I want everyone to turn to the back one minute and I want everyone to stand up and I want everyone to give an applause for the guest who's sitting in the back row, Mr. Saul, where And they all get up and they all clap. And then they all sit down and like, okay, you want to know why I all told you all to get up and clap? And he has no idea who I am. He says about four years ago, the, Saul was sitting in the, uh, in the commissioner's box in the Super Bowl. And when he was in the commissioner's box, you know, that's where they are. He was introduced to a guy who was a very, wealth guy and pri- very wealthy guy, private equity guy. And this guy had just got married, and the commissioner introduced him to Saul. And he sees Saul is wearing a yarmulke, and the guy introduces Saul to his wife, and he says to Saul, you know where I can get some kosher food? And he says, uh, yeah, we have have plenty of kosher food. Just come back, whatever you want. He says, what's up? He says, you know, I just got married. And when I got married, I I, I agreed with the rabbi that I'm going to try to be kosher. And now I've been kosher. We got married two and a half weeks ago. I've been kosher for two and a half weeks, he said. And now I'm sitting in this box and there's shrimp and there's uh, franks and blankets. And and I just, I'm so hungry. I'm going to just, I know I'm done. I'm going off the wagon and it's over. This is it. He goes, no, no, we have kosher food, don't worry. He starts to talk to them, they become friendly. He ends up going to his kid's bris later on. So the rabbi goes and he says, I have to tell everyone something. I told you this story. There's a plaque outside in the, in the hall of this synagogue. There's a guy who donated $10 million to build this synagogue. And that guy told me that if it wasn't for Saul Werdiger that day in the Super Bowl, there would never have been a synagogue here today. Because the only reason he stayed on the wagon, the only reason he stayed kosher was because this guy, how he met him, how he talked to him, how he convinced him, how he spoke to him. So it says the little things you do, the little things you do in and out every single day of your life, they can make such a difference. Every single Jew has this thing inside them. But what is it? It's up to you to not be afraid. Not be afraid to reach out. Not to be afraid in your business. Not to be embarrassed in your business. To be able to say to someone, "This is what we do. This is who we are. This is how we should be," because our job in this world is to to represent Hashem. We represent Hashem. When we left Mitzrayim, we left Mitzrayim, and Hashem said from the very beginning when Moshe came, when Moshe came to Paro, He says, "Who is Bnei Israel? Bnei Bechori? They're my firstborn." We have to be the children of Hashem If we're the children of we represent Hashem If we have brothers and sisters That are a little bit lost We have to do our best To bring them in We also have to represent ourselves Among the going. You want one more story? I one more story One more story So I heard this story this morning So there's a guy His name is Stephen I think Stephen Lasky He builds uh, He renovates uh, He renovates uh, Old age homes So he had to go Renovate an old age home Two old age homes He had to go look at In Kentucky He was so busy, he didn't have time and ended up Thanksgiving morning, six o'clock in the morning. He decides, you know what? No one's working Thursday, Friday. Let me just go Thursday. I'm going to go to Kentucky. He flies to Cincinnati, rents a car to drive in, to go to Kentucky, to see where he has to go. As he's driving, he says he's exhausted. He got up at 3.30 in the morning to get to the airport, to get on the plane. He wants to pull over to get a cup of coffee, He pulls over to get a cup of coffee. And he's uh, he comes into this uh, this you know the convenience store at the gas station, and as he walks in to go to the back to make the coffee, he hears the guy. There's no one in the store. There's no one on the road. It's Thanksgiving, six no in the morning, no one there. He sees the, he hears the guy speaking Arabic, so he goes. He gets the cup of coffee. He comes up to the front. takes out his credit card. puts his credit card on the table, and the guy takes the credit card, charges the coffee, puts it down, and he says, "Thank you very much." I hope you have a wonderful day. How are you? I hope everything's good. And the guy, the, this guy Stephen says, Alhamdulillah. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the Arab guy looks up. He says, One minute, he hangs up the phone with whoever he's talking on the phone with. He says, The guy, how do you know my language? He goes, I only know a few words. He says, But how do you know? He goes, I lived in Israel for a, few, for a couple of years when I went to school. I have a kid who lives in Israel now. He goes, You, I love your people. The guy goes, oh, Who's my people? He goes, I love the Jews. He goes, why do you love the Jews? He says, I was born in Ramallah. He goes, and in 19, in the, in, the, in the late 60s, in the early 70s, he says, we had no money. Literally, you can't even imagine. He said, in America, they have food stamps, they have a food this, they have that. He said, we had no food to eat. So I would go every day to work, and I got a work permit to go to Jerusalem every day, and I would stand on a certain corner, and they would hire you for the day to do day labor in Israel. He said there was a guy Moshe hired me and I used to go to work for him all the time. And I worked for him and he was doing a construction site outside of Jerusalem. And I worked every day, every day, every day. And then the the war broke out, the 73 war. And the 73 war, the Arabs attacked, the war broke out. He said, we couldn't leave. I was stuck in Ramallah and I literally didn't have food. I didn't know what we're going to do. We don't know how we're going to survive. We don't know how we're going to live. There's a war. I can't go to work. I can't go to Jerusalem. I can't do anything. I don't know what to do. He says, a couple of weeks in, a week or so into the war, all of a sudden there's an Israeli patrol coming through Ramallah and they're looking for me. And everyone's scared to give them my name because what do they think? They're going to arrest me and take me back that I did something. But finally they found me. And the Israeli patrol comes to my house, knocks on the door, asks me, is that my name? I say, yeah. All of a sudden, who gets out of the back of the Jeep? Moshe, my boss from before. He's a general in the army. He comes out, he comes into the house, he reaches into his jacket and he hands me an envelope with money. He said, I didn't pay you for the last two weeks that you were working for me and I needed to find you to make sure you got paid. He goes, this seven, eight hundred dollars that he paid me that time was more than a million dollars, he said. He said, we were able then, we moved to Kuwait and in Kuwait, I, I started a construction business and then Saddam Hussein came into Kuwait. And you know what happened to me in Kuwait? I lost my business, I lost all my money. I went to the bank to get money, they wouldn't give me my money. Everything was gone. He said, this is the Arabs, my brothers. (laughs) They're coming and they take everything from me. And who's the one who gave me? The Jew. He said, eventually he came to America, I own 26 gas stations, he says, but none of this is worth anything except for this guy. He says, when he told the story, he told it to another guy who came to interview this guy, There's an interview of the whole thing, of this guy telling the whole story. He says, one action that we do, one action that we do changes a whole world. We don't know, like you said, the rabbi said to the guy, This is why you were created. We don't know which action is the action we have to do. Every single day we go out there, there's a test. Every single day there's a test. Let's make sure we go out there and we pass the test today, we pass the test tomorrow. Everyone have a wonderful Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom Agado. And uh, have a beautiful Pesach. Amen. See you all later. Thank you very much.